Hey friends, I'm so, so thrilled to be bringing you season three of That's What She Did podcast. That's right, season three of this tiny little podcast that started out as a simple experiment. And here we are with season three. As is our tradition, we are launching during Women's History Month. And this season, I'm bringing you a theme that is unapologetic. Each episode is organized under the umbrella of unapologetic women. These are women unapologetically pursuing whatever lights their fire, both past and present. I'm bringing you stories of these incredible rabble-rousers, truth-tellers, and artists that are lighting fires all over the place, or that history books did not make the appropriate space for. The season is going to be such a good time, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. So buckle up and let's get started. You're listening to season three, episode six of That's What She Did podcast. I'm your host, Tangi Renee. This week on the show, I have with me Catherine Demirici Jaffe, who is the founder of House of Pod, a podcasting incubator and audio hub located in Denver, Colorado. They're doing interesting work, exciting work even, working on building the largest audio community in the U.S. It's a pretty lofty goal, and they're very focused on doing it in a different way. They are trying to create a new model for podcasting in this space that is growing rapidly, that's still new-ish, but just might still be in danger of following in the messy footsteps of other media predecessors. We have a lot to say about podcasting and inclusivity on this one, so listen up, let us know what you think. So send me an email to that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you like this episode or if you know a woman that should be on this show as a guest, and I mean woman in a non-gender binary kind of way, I want to know about it. All you got to do is send me an email. If you want to support this show in any way, the easiest way for you to do that is share the episodes that you find value in. Talk about it with your friends, let them know that they should be listening, and hit the subscribe button. Best thing you can do for us. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you like the episode. Hey everyone, so Kat is here. I was gonna say here on the show with me, but I should say I am in the studio with her. <laughs> her studio at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. It's a beautiful space. It's evolving, it's growing, it's doing really cool things. So if you happen to be in the Denver metro area, you should come down. But hello, Kat. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. We've been uh, I've been saying I was gonna do this for a long time and I just never got around it got around to it. So I apologize. That's on me. <laughs> You've been busy anyway. <laughs> So let's start out by telling people what exactly is House of Pod? Awesome. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that I've been busy um, because House of Pod really is changing and even what we are and what we do is different. Um, I think when I first started this thing, I was like, House of Pod is a story bar. And I had this dream of setting up a bar where people would come every night and do live audio storytelling and Um, We would still help people with podcasting, of course, but it was really about creating this community space. That is the only thing that's really consistent. Um, Now we're a podcast incubator and audio hub in Denver, and we're out to build the largest audio community in the center of the United States. That's a pretty lofty goal. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you should hear me talk about my big plans of building like a truly public media company that um, is sourcing all of its content essentially from producers like you who are in their community actively telling those stories and and really partnering with all these incredible people and really trying to turn like our current existing model for media on its head and doing it from the community up. Why though? Why this? Um, I mean, there's like the lofty goal, as you said, which is that we want to decolonize media. Mm-hmm. We think people have come in and harvested stories from communities and then largely benefited from it themselves while m- misrepresenting those stories um, because they're not of that community. 
Um, so that's kind of the the big picture. I think media, like a lot of things in our society, needs a bit of an overhaul. So um, yeah, that's the big picture. On the personal level, uh, this is where I get my energy. I I love people's stories. I have been one of those people that have gone into a community and and tried to tell that the stories um, of it, and felt kind of gross about that. Actually, in retrospect, of just being like, ugh. I don't I I don't know how to do this right. Um, and so on on a very personal level, it feels very good to me to work with people collaboratively to help bring their stories to light. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't think I ever asked you because um, I know a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever asked you how you actually got into podcasting. Yeah. So where? let's start there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, um, I was a National Geographic Emerging Explorer on the borders of Turkey, Iran, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. Um, I lived there for two years on a Fulbright scholarship and um, a Critical Language Enhancement Award, basically upping my Turkish ante, which is good. I don't even know if you can really say that as a phrase, but I'm going to say it as a phrase. I upped my Turkish ante. We're going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being so accepting. Um, so I was there for that. And then I came back and was there for four and a half years on my Nat Geo grant and um, a Kickstarter funded project that we worked with the community to essentially start a honey tasting trekking route that partnered with local women in their villages to train them in traditional beekeeping practices and then hospitality, which they were pros in, but basically making it doing training so that way they could work with international and host international guests because there is a bit of a culture clash. Like, for example, this is a small one, but it really articulates it well um, or illustrates it well. They, I remember, used to think I was a total savage for using toilet paper. They were like, <laughs> it's so dry on your butt. Um, it, like, leaves little pieces of paper. It's super uncomfortable. And they were like, we use water. It's so much more hygienic and clean. And so, how you know, and they didn't know how to dispo- dispose of toilet paper because that's not how their toilets worked. Like, it was just a whole other thing. So both from the international traveler side and then from the local villagers explaining, like, how to make those bridges of understanding for cultures and communities that operate really differently. Um, so... We would do those trainings, and then the research side that was funded by Nat Geo was to go and actually try and understand all of these tradition and ancient beekeeping techniques that were carried through nomads across these old honey trails that zigzagged across the South Caucasus. And so I went and mapped these trails and met with over 200 beekeepers to better understand and classify and categorize all of these different techniques and then bring them to into the hands of local women to harness to create really high-end boutique honey that they could create from from their villages and from their homes and we used video a lot in this project and um yeah later on when i was trying to figure out how to carry through with this i i felt i struggled a little bit with the video content and um i think also just the way that we did it i noticed that my relationships with the community wasn't really conveyed as well over video. Um, I think, I mean, I was working with an absolute pro on it, but just for me personally, I wish I had done more with audio. It was something where I thought, oh, why didn't I do like a train the trainer program with our local communities? Like, why didn't I um, do more to put the power of telling the, their own stories in their own hands? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been almost exclusively listening to audio content at that time I got my first smartphone while I was living over there and so all of a sudden like podcasts not only became my sole source of media but they were also like one of my only English-speaking friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they could move with me as I was traveling through all these remote places without reception and I was lonely and um, I just came back with this love of these voices in my head and this this deep desire to harness audio Um, Not just to tell stories and bridge empathy gaps and connect people culturally who come from different backgrounds, but also really to train people in how to produce their own content. 
And um, I came back and started working on a whole different path. I did marketing and PR from anything from nonprofits to a big companies like Barclays Bank. And at one point, I looked around and was like, I have sort of deviated from where I was trying to go. But throughout all of this, I kept trying to start podcasts. And I started producing for people like um, PRX and Gimlet. I took podcasting classes. At one point, I like toured around the US while I was working part time as a contractor for this other organization and just visited all of these different studios and public radio stations to see how they were fostering community and building recording studios. And when I came back, I just knew like, I wanted to start something like that here. Um, I wanted to make some kind of community story hub, bar, recording studio, classes i know the bar would be great <laughs> this would also be a wonderful space but i don't think we could get the liquor license because there's a monastery school like literally Across a stone's throw away yeah but it means for great parking like we don't have parking issues that's our that's, that's our trade-off <laughs> that's true and we do still have beer in the fridge so it's okay everybody got a little bit of what they wanted yeah what is it you think that specifically about storytelling in this medium, podcasting audio mm -hmm. is especially powerful or impactful. Yeah, I mean, something I talk about a lot that um, I feel to my core is that audio is one of our strongest and most underrated senses. So it's the first sense that develops in the womb. You know, if you're looking at the gestation period of a baby <laughs> it's like they're born and they can only see eight to ten inches in front of their face but mm -hmm. they've been able to hear audio for six weeks people always talk about telling stories or playing music they supposedly are born and can recognize voices mm -hmm. so it's it's one of our first senses that develops and i also have unfortunately been beside people as they are passing away and i without question have noticed that's the last thing to go like people will be in comas or they will be sleeping or they'll they'll just be at the end of their life and they can't open their eyes but they can hear you you can see their faces relax as you sing to them and tell them stories and read to them and it just has such a soothing effect i think we're really social and as much as we are truly visual people the effect of voices and the comfort of other voices, I think, is probably one of the greatest things for your body and your brain. Um, so I feel very good about putting my energy behind that. And I think stories go in a lot of mediums. We love them. We've been, you know, writing them on cave walls and sharing <laughs> them through the Odyssey and these oral narratives throughout time. But um, sound is just this magical thing. And my grandpa was deaf. And I think the best conversation I ever had to him with him was when he was talking to me about music and sound, his life before he lost his hearing in World War II. And it was just like, there's nothing like talking to a deaf person about sound and hearing. It's mm -hmm. like, it makes you want to dissect every single thing that you hear and... um I had these this conversation with him when I was really young and it's just like stuck with me always. It's like, wow, what an amazing sense that we just take for granted. That's a good point. I don't think I ever thought about it that way. To me, it's like a convenience thing. <laughs> I, I heard you. I wish I didn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I also learn better through audio than like sitting in a classroom or whatever. Yeah, but. me too. I learn really well when I'm moving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you're skiing or gardening or I feel like I can focus well when I'm not focused. Right. If that makes any sense at all. I feel all. the same way, yeah. But yeah, it's like when someone's telling me a story when I'm moving, it's just like my brain soaks it up. Um, so, yeah, this is a medium for me for sure. That makes sense. I like that. <laughs> um, you said something earlier that I wanted to come back to. So yeah. this idea of decolonizing media. Yeah. Right. I think you and I had a, kind of an interesting conversation about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So for context, there were some folks. Don't name names. Yeah. No, good job. There were some folks <laughs> locally <laughs> that were having a conversation with us. Well, mm -hmm. invited us to a conversation, mm -hmm. I should say, mm -hmm. around local media and it's in trouble. And what do we do about that? So I was sort of 
impressed and encouraged that someone like you or I was invited in the room because I'm not a journalist. (laughs) I'm not on the news. I don't really want to have much to do with it. Except for that time you were like in USA Today. Oh, I mean, that was something else entirely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think people are starting to recognize like what you're doing counts. It really counts. I hope it counts for someone. Yeah. Um, It never occurred to me that I was doing something that like media might pay attention to. So it was interesting to be a part of that room and kind of see the way that they think about things. And I was like, they don't understand. (laughs) I know they don't, they don't point blank. It's one of the reasons why I really advocate for paid positions Mm -hmm. for people like you to be consultants. Cause I think they need help. And I think they're starting to realize they need help too. And they're like really struggling do you think they realize it or do you think they're trying to check the diversity box oh i think they're trying to check the diversity box then we call them out on it and then they're like oh crap i have work to do and it does take what i think and this is not an original thought at all but it takes an ally to call them out Mm -hmm. that that because I mean, even before we started recording and you were talking about how exhausting and tiring it is to just go around all the time educating people. Um, you know, one of my best friends, her name is Jalon mm-hmm. um, and it's spelled with a C. So it looks like Ceylon because it's a Turkish name mm-hmm. and people really struggle with her name and she gets really tired having to yeah. always explain it and teach it and educate every single person on like Turkish 101. Um, and after a certain point, like you, I think we all, like, if you have a glimmer of empathy about what's going on with that person, a lot of times it's tough to totally understand that situation, but something that you can do is just be like, you know what, take a rest. It's cool. I'm going to, I got invited to this thing or I'm in this room and I'm going to use that opportunity now to hold the door open for you because like that's something I can do mm-hmm. um, or take the weight off for a second and like I'll do some teaching and some educating for a little bit so you can like collect your courage or not your courage. I'm sorry, your energy to get back out there and keep fighting the fight. They fight every day. And I think we all, if we're truly allies and we truly show up for each other, we that's a, like that's a it's not even like a nice thing to do. It's an obligation if we want to have better stories, if we want to have a better society, because right now, like we're not. We're not totally there yet, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to sit in a room full of journalists, like legit journalists, uh, which is a profession I have a lot of respect for. I think it's so necessary. Yeah. I I could be wrong, but I think it's like, the only profession that's protected by the Constitution. Whoa. Yeah. That I and mean, also like a gun shop. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I would argue one is, in my mind, more valuable than the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to hate me for saying that. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like a really good point. I mean, it's I think it's higher up, at least in the ranking, we'll say. At the bare minimum, <laughs> I would say. But we're so we're sitting in this room of journalists and I'm thinking the conversation I'm hearing is like on one hand, they're saying we need to foster diversity. And this is one of the main reasons that local news in particular is struggling. And I'm like, yeah, agreed. But on the other hand, they weren't like doing anything about it. <laughs> I, I was know. like, also, <laughs> I know. what is a major part of the problem? It's, it's not enough to say we need to be more diverse and we need to figure out how to do that in an authentic way, which was, by the way, not what they said. They just said we need to figure it out. Um, and it's a completely other thing to be in action. And as I was seeing this happen I was thinking well this is maybe the reason why podcasting in particular is so powerful and why there needs to be hubs in cities where an independent person like me who doesn't come from a journalistic background who is no ambition to like do the news or whatever can pull together these stories about other people and tell those stories in whatever form they choose to tell them in, because (laughs) you don't have to go through the powers that be, right? You don't need a news network to do it. You don't have to go through whatever their red tape, minutia, policies, yada, 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 hierarchy is. You can just do it. And as I was sitting there 
listening to them and saying some things that were no doubt unpopular in that room because they, in my defense, they asked. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can say it was unpopular. I mean, granted, who knows? I wasn't at, at all of your tables. I was only at one of them, but the one time I was there, I was just like, mm-hmm, and I was kind of looking around and I was like, yeah, I think you're probably giving a little dose of what everybody needs to hear right now. <laughs> and I'm sure they appreciate it because they just walk around kind of focused on the really hard task they have at hand Mm -hmm. you know but it's it's always helpful when someone's like hey you can do better because we all need to do better you know i'm sure Sure. it wasn't unpopular anyways i didn't mean to no no but i thought it was really valuable the stuff you were saying i mean later i was like they're not gonna invite me back i know (laughs) but i'm not gonna let that happen they're on spring break right now but i was like so when you guys are ready i have a group you've met them now (laughs) They're ready to come in. And they don't care if you don't like their opinions. Yeah, no, no. People will hire you for that, actually. It's good. It's good. So, but as I was saying, I'm thinking, okay, this is this is actually a way, like podcasting is so accessible that yeah. this is a way that you, quote unquote, save local news. This, and because what I was thinking about, I was like, well, where, like, think from the consumer lens. Yeah. Where do I consume my news? And it isn't sitting in front of a TV. No. It isn't like the big talking heads. I don't care what they have to say. They're not credible in my mind. (laughs) The networks that they're on are not credible in my mind. So who do I listen to? I listen to Pod Save the People, which is a podcast founded by a community organizer <laughs> yeah, yeah. who is not a journalist, but who I trust, mm-hmm. right? I would listen to something like Call Your Girlfriend. Yeah, Again, not yeah. journalists, writers, media people in a completely different capacity, but they can characterize the issues in a way that I'm willing to listen. And they've built a rapport with mm-hmm. me through their platform yeah. that I'm like, I can trust this person. They have very strong personal brands. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I can think of any like major broadcast network in news or a single journalist that has such a strong personal brand that I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And different demographics and different mm-hmm. age groups get their information from different places. I'm really excited to crack into the senior center, the senior citizen demographic, because I think they have interesting things to say. They have really interesting yeah. things to say. We're really excited. We're working on a podcast with Centaurians coming up mm-hmm. soon. Um, but they also, I think they come from a time where like fake news wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. And you could trust. Yeah, you could trust back then the yeah. news. And so they still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't critically assess it the way that I think we all need to. And so like, I'm really excited to do news literacy for mm-hmm. seniors because I think, I mean, they vote, they matter. We are going to see a huge swath of our population become older and more fit and active Mm -hmm. and live longer than ever before. And we need to both make content for them. We need to help them create their own content Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of teach them how to navigate in a very hard to follow new situation because they are paying attention to the talking heads. And I think like that's the next, like that's our next podcast population Mm -hmm. that I really am excited to start working with and being like, okay, okay. All right, let's 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 dive into this. That's interesting. I had sort of in passing wonder, like, what about the elderly population? Mm-hmm. Like, who's like they have incredible stories. Like, these are people that have lived through the biggest moments of history. Yeah. And where are those stories out? So I was I was kind of like you. I do all my best thinking when I'm moving. <laughs> so I don't know what I, I think. I was hiking or something, yeah. and I was like. So if I wanted stories of like elder people, where do I go? Like the Library of Congress? I know. <laughs> there are some good kind of good-ish senior podcasts mm-hmm. out there. And senior is like a debated word. For some reason in our conversations, they prefer elder, not elderly. But I'm like, you know what? Senior is cool. I was raised by senior citizens. They totally rocked that title. And when I think of seniors, I think of like senior in high school or senior attorney. It just Mm -hmm. means that you like have more prestige because you've been at it longer, Mm -hmm. Um, at least to me. But um, 
we have a nonprofit that you know of. You were actually a resident technically through it, which is so cool. Um, and it's called Amped. And our objective, we say, is to work with senior citizens and junior citizens and voices on the margins. Mm-hmm. And so through that program, one of the things I feel really excited about is we are working on senior content that is not all about like how to die or like how to age gracefully or how to die gracefully, which unfortunately I feel like is a lot of the content that's Reverse out there. Mortgages. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> this is how you retire gracefully. It's like, wow, why do we need to teach all these people how to do these things gracefully? Like, is everybody doing it abruptly? Like, are you just all of a sudden getting old really fast and you're like, crap, I was 30 and now I'm 89 like how did that happen you know i see that stuff like my you know my grandparents and my in-laws are get the aarp mail Uh and i'm like everything in here is so boring (laughs) the elder people want to have fun too and they are (laughs) they are there are some really exciting like we have some original content and then we have this partnership content coming out um this year that i think i hope shows stories that exactly are what you said that like guess what? They're having fun too. They're having sex. They're playing music. They're listening to music. They're playing pool. They're going to jazz clubs. They're swimming. Like they're doing stuff. It may not be the same exact stuff that you're doing, but they, I mean, they climb mountains. They do, they do some crazy things in and of their own. And um, I think there's room to tell those kinds of stories that sort of, I think, open people's eyes to different experiences that folks are having. I think there should be a podcast called The Sex Lives of Old People (laughs) because Uh, I saw this story, I think it was in HuffPost several uh years ago, and I will never forget it because it was about the rates of STDs in in elderly homes. And I was like, wait, what? They are getting around. (laughs) They are not wasting any more time. I was like, oh my God, they're getting in more than all these people on Tinder. (laughs) Easily. Because they're just like, you know what? I was in a marriage for 40 years with just one person. And now it's my chance. <laughs> Those are the best stories. Yeah, no, it's really it's really good. We had uh, someone write us recently, just right before this, about wanting to make an erotica podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, the time is nigh. Like, please come on in. <laughs> but I think we'll have to pitch them now on, like, elder erotica. They could do a series. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, sub series, sub series for sure. I mean, that's what's so fun right now is like people really are exploring with the medium and Mm -hmm. I think breaking the confines of radio because with radio, you kind of have to do things for an audience that is giving you donations and big funders, you know, making sure those those people are happy. And with podcasting, it's like, yes, you can do things for for donation on Patreon, but we're not trying to appeal to the public. We're trying no. to appeal to smaller groups of folks mm-hmm. and, um, or maybe not at all. People sometimes podcast for themselves. Everybody has a different goal. And so I think it just adds a lot of flexibility and range of motion in ways that the medium hasn't really seen. And so it's a very good time to be in it. Yes, but. And. But. Uh-huh. Podcasting is scaling very quickly. It is. Right. And to the point you were saying earlier, also very imperfect. It's yeah. scaling quickly, not as inclusive as it should be, and still struggling with like a lot of things. Well, I feel like people are fighting to make it inclusive. It's where it's not there. It's not there. And so I'm often questioning what prevents this from just becoming a copy of everything else that's come before it. I mean, the same way that I say, <laughs> you know what makes a democracy? when you fight for it every single minute. Like mm-hmm. if you take an hour off from democracy, it like stops being democracy. And the same thing I think, um, I think goes for, for media and for storytelling is it's just like, I'm not an expert, I'm not a pro and I'm not doing this right. It's a, It will be something that I evolve and grow and think about probably every day. And I will keep getting better, hopefully, like with um, a North Star that is almost unattainable. Like you, I don't think that it will ever be perfect. And that doesn't mean that we should settle. It just means we have to keep working because like, well, I, it, it's, yeah, it's not there yet. Um, I think there's a lot of things that you kind of set all in one, like it's scaling really fast there. We are at risk of repeating 
the mistakes that have come before us. And there's people fighting for it um, to be better. And that's it. I mean, it's that's completely it. I think, I mean, it's been interesting to watch in the short time that I've been like in it. And I feel like podcasting hasn't had any great challenges yet to what? scale. Like, like oh the... God. We've, I feel differently, but please continue. For, well, okay. from my position, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, I've been like, there's been some challenges, right? But they sort of, I guess I should say there haven't been any huge scandals, which means that there's going to be. <laughs> I mean, point. I guess it depends how you measure it. Like if you come in on a Tuesday, especially when Barry's in mm-hmm. and a hot pot comes out. I like four hours of the workday. I almost have to schedule it because I'm like, oh gosh, I'm not going to get anything done on a Tuesday afternoon going into a Tuesday night. Because all we do is talk about the scandals, hurdles, and missteps of the industry. Like everything from the conglomerates, the Mm -hmm. rising conglomerates that you see of like Spotify buying everybody. (laughs) Um, Which concerns me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. That's what I'm talking about. It concerns all of it. We're like, what? Um, to really bad shows that are being produced and they're I don't want to name names because I'm so nice but there are shows that we're like we can't believe that got produced and that it's doing so well this was terrible Mm -hmm. um to oh boy like just the challenges of discoverability of um fact checking and like credible sources like I think there are it because it's the wild west like we're seeing things come out that like haven't been their due diligence isn't done you know what i mean this is my point yeah and and you said it better than i did uh-huh. um there isn't accountability because there isn't it, it's such a conglomerate of different things happening at once and so there's been a little bit of like scandal around a few things mm-hmm. like Certain shows being gross and just bad and one show in particular getting pulled off, pulled out of their network, Uh um, which I think was a good move. But what did it it took a very long time to make that happen because um, and it it really wasn't until people started talking to the funders of this show and being like, are you do you hear what's happening here? Are you paying attention? But it took a lot of people to have an impact and have accountability around one show. Oh yeah. And it's not the only one. So, (laughs) well, I mean, part of that too, is it's like, you don't listen to stuff you don't like. Mm -hmm. So it's up to, if it's up to the audience, quote unquote, to keep it accountable, the same thing that makes podcasting so great and niche also can make it really challenging to monitor. I mean, you know, on the back end, you can say like, oh yeah, there's inappropriate content, but there's no, like R rating really for podcasts that would limit a child from listening or there's like we really it is the wild west Mm -hmm. things are going to change you are right that it's scaling really rapidly and there's no like one place you know apple podcasts is not the ruler of podcasts like you can Mm -hmm. listen and get your podcast all different kinds of places some of which don't even have reviews some you know it's like it's just well, Spotify is trying to be the ruler. Yeah, Spotify and is so trying to be the ruler. <laughs> then what do we do about that, right? Yeah. Because then you have only that. And if we're talking about decolonizing media mm-hmm. and pulling voices from the margin, mm-hmm. then when I just don't know how you do that well. Well, we're trying. I mean, you're trying. That's the thing. Right? We're trying. And like <laughs> Spotify did, you know, about the podcast incubator mm-hmm. that they had. It was one week mm-hmm. and they brought people in from all over and like they came and they left and 18,000 people applied and it was a lot of hubbub. Mm-hmm. We are launching a podcast incubator incubator in June. It is four weeks along with sustained and continued support long after the program. We are targeting local women it is podcast incubator for women of color mm-hmm. um we are partnering them up with mentors who continue that relationship we're doing it here in denver you know what i mean um people can come in from other places and do it but we really are focused on like building a sustained community here that does it and one of the things about it is we say 
they own all the content, you know, we're mm-hmm. not putting in these clauses that people are up in arms about. And I think hopefully we are setting a model of how to do things differently. And we are independent AF. Like we don't, I mean, we had a little conversation beforehand about our sponsorships and funding model, but we are entirely community funded. We are bootstrapped and we're in no one's pockets. Mm -hmm. It's like, even if you look at Gimlet, who was bought by Spotify, I mean, they had investors and like, you can look at any of these big production companies and like, I do think it's really important to be like, how is that model funded? Mm -hmm. We are very diversified. Like we have a community podcasting model. We have a production house. We have a school. We have a la carte services. We do all of these different things that make it so that way we are so and truly independent. We collaborate with a lot of people, but we stand on our own. And I think that allows us to have certain freedoms, I hope, to make something that can hold itself to strong ethics and that can be accounted accountable to a greater community and built up of that that greater community. I don't know. Like maybe we're not <laughs> successful. I've definitely had moments in the last like three months where I'm like, oh my God, are we gonna make it? It's unclear. Like mm-hmm. we're trying something different and it's not easy. We do it on a bootstrap. There are far too few people work at House of Pod. It's like a tiny team. <laughs> um but I do think we're a model for for people to look at and be like, there is another way. And if, if that is if that is all we achieve, I will be happy. Do you see other similar models popping up now? I mean, PRX Podcast Garage. But again, mm-hmm. that's affiliated with a huge, one of the biggest companies in podcasting. Right. Um, I think they're great. I love them and ad- admire a lot of their work. Um, but they aren't the same as us. There's also this thing called like a village podcast space in LA, but they're very expensive and they're out of a co-working space. They're basically mm-hmm. a co-working space. I mean, our thing is we try and be affordable. We're $3.30 a day. If you come in, it's unlimited recording for the month, $100 a month. Most studios are like $120 to $150 an hour. Mm-hmm. We want to buck that because we're like, that's crazy expensive. How, how can a community podcaster afford that? Well, you can't. You can't. <laughs> You can't, but like, and people won't listen to your show if it's not sounding good. Mm -hmm. So that right there is this limiting factor that in my mind is like making it inaccessible. How are we going to democratize this if people who have more money sound better and you're going to listen to them? Mm -hmm. So we have to make everybody sound great. Step one, like everyone should have access to sounding beautifully. Step two, like a community support so that way we are giving each other the feedback that is helpful to make things rise up you know step three being able to give each other awareness and exposure so people can actually listen and discover your work then fund it you know it's like we're creating a hub for that um we're we're launching colorado's first podcasting festival this summer where all these local shows will be able to debut their work we have these podcast incubators where we're helping build a platform for people to create long-term communities and accountability. I mean, I think it's there. Um, But I think we still do have a lot more to learn and we're just trying stuff out. So the ingredients are evolving for Mm -hmm. sure. We're on the way. (laughs) How many shows have you guys produced at this point, you think? Um, We have, okay, 75 people have come in and out to record for their shows. So 75 shows have used this space. Mm-hmm. We are currently working on 10 shows just at House of Pod mm. for partners, like everything from KLM's The Journey, a new show through Rocky Mountain PBS, which hasn't come out yet, so I'm not going to say its name. Um, Sapiens, we have Mile High Hustle. We have this Senior Center podcast that's coming up. We have another podcast through DU. We have a podcast that we're supporting that is, we're just, we're providing the support for, I should say. Um, it's about divorce and removing the stigma around divorce, which mm. is really exciting to see that coming up. We have another podcast. It's with an app that we're, we are producing for, um, and it is helping people understand the difference between things that they get confused about often. I think I can't say more than that without doing a too big of a reveal. 
Um, and then we have a few other projects in the pipeline um, that we are actively working on. That's just for our little production team. We meet with hundreds of people a year mm-hmm. just to talk to them about their podcast ideas. They don't always come and produce it here, but we'll do like a one-off consultation or they come to one of our free classes or they're in one of our paid intensive workshops and they run the whole gamut. Um, I wish I could tell you some of the ones that are I know are like going to come out soon because they are they're so original and cool and unique and mm-hmm. they do it. They get weirder and weirder each time. And it's so exciting to see like, wow, I never thought of that. That's that's why we need you. <laughs> oh, it's great. You can tell me later. I will. Oh my God. They're <laughs> such good shows. They're such good shows. And it's really cool to be at the center of that and be able to hear everybody's show ideas. And we take that confidence seriously. We don't take the idea. We just say, hey, that's cool. Mm-hmm. We're here if you need help. You own that thing. But like, we are here for you. And I love that. I love that too. <laughs> I know. It's fun. It's so fun. <laughs> so what's next for House of Pod? Um, I mean, the podcast incubator, which is so exciting. Um, we're officially opening applications this Thursday. So if any of y'all are listening and identify as a woman of color legitly, um, you should apply. Uh, it's free, which is cool. And um, child care is included. Um, it's a good, there's a good opportunity. I think a lot of people are rising up who are trying to figure out like how to support and mm-hmm. are coming in on this. And um, we're doing it in partnership with Podcasting Color and Julia Lantiqua Williams and Co. So we've got some really powerful and successful women of color leading the program, which um, is just such an honor and an opportunity to be able to work with those women. Um, so that's next. We've got the Podcasting Festival, which I hope you come to. I think it'd be great if we had a That's What She Did thing. When is that? Uh, second week of July. It will be uh, here. Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah. I'll be in town, okay. as far as I know. So you can come meet Tangia in, in the flesh, <laughs> Tangia and Renee, um, and hopefully some of the other really amazing guests you've had. Yeah, it, that's so that should be really exciting. And then original content. Like mm-hmm. it, we're trying to get some of these really cool shows funded. Um, so I'm excited to see us branch into the world of weird a little bit, um, especially with my my personal background in with exploration and Nat Geo and science. There are a few projects we're working on where if I get them funded and cleared the way that I want, I think we're going into the field in some pretty cool places around the world. And I'm mm. really excited for that. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Who are the women in podcasting we should be paying attention to? Okay. Great question. I think some of the women you've had on the show actually mm-hmm. are rising stars, including yourself. Um, I really do feel that way. I think we've got some really strong women podcasters here in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, Bigger Pockets. She, we were on a panel yeah, with I Mindy. Like yeah, She's Mindy good, Jensen. Yeah. She's just killing it. Um, Girls Gone Wad. We point to them a lot. They know how to engage community members in a way that's like their live shows they're just they're kind of unstoppable so that's cool like on a local level to see them going there's some women in our um current class that i there's one in particular she doesn't know it yet but i'm really excited for her podcast and Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're in that class it could be you (laughs) there's one of you that i'm really following closely um and then i think at large caitlin pressed she produces the shadows and the series she did the no for the heart um she's she is a true artist she experiences with sound design in ways that i think like I mean, one of one of her things that she loves to talk about publicly is how she attaches microphones to vibrators and then records herself <laughs> masturbating. The Shadows is cool, I'll say. Yeah. I don't listen to it often, but um, it's just got like something interesting going mm-hmm. on there. I can't mm-hmm. quite name it. But. Yeah, it was a cool, it was a really unique series. Um, yeah, I still haven't listened to the whole thing. But. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I recommend episode three. For anyone who's listening, it's going to be assigned in one of our classes for this upcoming <laughs> session um, because it's so cool. Um, and yeah, the, her whole team um, at like, I feel like the Canadian Broadcasting Corp, mm-hmm. CBC, is just doing fantastic work and they have all women production teams. Same goes like the Daily is 
largely produced by almost an entirely women team other than Michael Barbara. Those women are pretty amazing. Hannah Jaffe Walt, her five women piece this last year, I listened to and listened to over again. It really came together so nicely. Um, I love Alison Berenger and the Bodies podcast. She's another one that I just see doing such amazing work. Um, there are so many incredible women in podcasting right now. And we just had, we still do have a position open at House of Pod. And the number of qualified women who have applied, just listening to their work and seeing what they're doing, it's really cool this is the time for the woman audio engineer nice um yeah so so where can people find out more about the position Mm -hmm. the festival (laughs) the class like the fellowship is it the fellowship is that what you're calling oh um the incubator the incubator yeah yeah. Where do we send people, Kat? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> www.houseofpod.org or houseofpod.com. Either one will take you to us. And then the nonprofit to apply for the incubator is weareamped.co. And Amped is our nonprofit. Um, we do take sponsors and funders and supporters of all kinds, um, as long as they are aligned with our social justice um, objectives. So, I forgot to put on the recording light. That was my bad. (laughs) It's okay. That was my bad. This is real life, people. (laughs) Someone just opened the door to the studio because I made a rookie mistake. So, cool beans. Well, yeah, you can find us at all those places. And if for any reason you just want to get in touch with me, I'm CatherineJaffe.com. So, check her out one last question <laughs> yeah. before we close yeah who are the women inspiring you right now oh my gosh i love that question so much <laughs> i act that was one of my interview questions i was like where are you deriving your inspiration at this time <laughs> okay kill this is the first thing that just came to mind i'm sorry i probably like yelled into the mic it's just okay. then have you do you do you know sandra O? Oh, I know her personally. No, no, but I don't. like of Killing Eve. <laughs> yes, but I do know who you're talking about. <laughs> okay, well, season two came out last night, and I have so much work to do. I had to. I woke up at three thirty this morning just to hit some of my deadlines today. Yeah, but no, I still was like, I need to watch Killing Eve season two because <laughs> because it's you know the women are the villains, mm-hmm. the women are the protagonists. I love that show, yeah. yeah, it's the writing is good. Um, it is compelling and manipulative and smart. And I look at that and I'm like, that's how you make characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really getting a lot of inspiration from that. Um, a ton, uh, just like in this moment. Um. There's a few other women in like the Nat Geo world that I really admire. There's this one uh, woman in Newfoundland named Justine, and she is out to like rid the world of microbeads and plastics. And she's just like communicating really well. She's young. She's gay. She's fantastic. And the stuff that she is talking about, about like women and inclusion and science, I think she's a pioneer. And I love that she is younger than me mm-hmm. because I'm like, wow. Um, like our wisdom, like we don't need to look up to people mm-hmm. that are necessarily older than us. Like it is, it is happening around us and it is just happening in the, the younger generations. They really have a voice and something to say. Um, I feel the same way about this other climate activist, Greta in Europe right now. She's absolutely crushing it. And um, these are not necessarily podcast stars. Um, I spend a lot of my time actually in the podcast world. So if anything, I try and like branch out to other stories and other mediums of communication. Just very healthy. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, what is everybody else doing? And I see these women, especially like these young, very bright, different women um, across the world doing the coolest things. So. Thank you. Not to mention the women on your show. I want to plug the show again. <laughs> You've done a really amazing job getting incredible guests lately. I'm Thank loving you. it. Thank you. I yeah. mean, they're great. Um, I'm just always so flattered that they say yes. <laughs> well, and I think you're highlighting just, I, God, I drive, you know, you're, you're from Denver. I'm from Colorado. 
I don't know if this bothers you, but people will always be like, Colorado's not diverse. And I'm like, you know what? It's, um, you don't see it because you hang out in your bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, Branch out. Because though, like we have really amazing, strong, powerful women of color here Mm -hmm. doing amazing things. And I think your show does an amazing job. Sorry to say amazing so many times, but it is amazing. (laughs) You do an amazing job of really spotlighting those women and being like, yeah, we, we do have really remarkable people here pay attention like look up you know so thank you for all that you you. do yeah i have a good time with it i'm always just so flattered that they're like yeah sure yeah and uh you know that's the the thing that i love maybe most about podcasting is the network of people you meet just grows so quickly and exponentially and and uh you know i tried to get people from everywhere and we've had some really cool people and like this season one of my favorites was sita Kaylin, the sex worker who is totally unapologetic she's like yeah (laughs) i was a stripper most of my life and what's your problem yeah Um, okay (laughs) i just love her this is for my drive (laughs) home sita (laughs) and and so it's for me it's like the thing i get out of it because i don't get paid to do the show yeah (laughs) the thing i get out of it is i met these incredible women and i'm like okay they are themselves and they're doing mm. really cool things. And so I can just continue and it's fine. God, they so. really are incredible. They're amazing. And yeah, this show, I'm really, I'm so proud and honored to be here with you. This is definitely my favorite interview so far. <laughs> it is because I just feel like, I feel like, well, one, you get it. And as kind as you are, you you also have a really high standard, I think, for the people around you. I think for this industry, you ask hard-hitting questions. I think for yourself, like, you produce good stuff. And it's it's really cool to be part of this. I think you're going places, and I'm happy to be like, I was there. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can say the same thing here. Like, we were just joking earlier that this studio <laughs> has had a whole metamorphosis. It's like the the caterpillar that became the butterfly. When I first came in here, there was no air conditioning. Yep. It was a sweat box. <laughs> it was a sweat box. It uh, hopefully won't be a sweat box this summer, but we still we have plans. <laughs> but it's still a fear. Like we all have like PTSD from from sweaty sessions in the studio in the summertime where you're like, oh my God. I, you know, honestly, I thought it was hilarious. I was just <laughs> Such like, a good sport. come out and like the mascara has sweated <laughs> off my face. And I'm like, this is startup world, folks. Like, yeah. This is what it looks like. <laughs> it, I do have to say just like a huge thank you to you and everybody who came in and was just like, we're going to use it. We're going to be here. We're going to support this thing, this vision you have, even though there are bands playing underneath. It's really sweaty. You can hear the landlord upstairs like a group of kindergartners just passed by a dude with a, a, a boombox boom from the 70s yeah like. it's like so crazy so it's, anyway it's been fun to watch and even take a little part of so just yeah. keep going just keep on going <sighs> don't give up exactly cool all right folks thanks cat this is our show for this week so make sure you go to house of pods website share it out like don't keep this information to yourself you might be a undercover wannabe podcaster so this is your chance you might know an undercover wannabe podcaster you just don't know until you share so sharing is caring you know how we do around here so that's our show have a great week until next time we're out (laughs) yeah (laughs) 